A couple of weeks ago, if you happen to remember, I began my sermon on a Sunday morning by pontificating on just what might possibly happen next in what has been one of the most trying years on record, at least in my 46 years anyway. I believe in my wonderings, I went as far as bringing up references to the book of Exodus and the plagues that fell on the land of Egypt when Moses was demanding for Pharaoh to let God's people go. Would we get locusts or frogs invading our world next, or would we possibly wake up one morning and find the St. John's River turned into blood? Well, aside from the arrival of all that dust from Africa and some locusts this summer, it hasn't been frogs or boils or three days of complete darkness, thankfully. But as we all now know, it looks like it is going to be a tropical storm. Tropical storm Aisa, which up until yesterday afternoon was Hurricane Aisa, is presently stirring up winds and rains down in southeastern Florida, and it will begin making its movement northward up the Atlantic coast towards northeast Florida later today. I guess this means that challenging God in a sermon during these wild and unpredictable days might just be the wrong thing for a priest to do. So consider that duly noted by me. But really, I bet many of you aren't nearly as stressed about tropical storms or hurricanes as you would have been had we not already been hit below the belt so many times over the past few months by COVID-19 and by the political and cultural divisions happening in our nation. I mean, really, after all we've been through, what can a hurricane do to us right now? Well, I suppose a hurricane can actually do a whole lot, but with how this year has gone so far, I have to tell you, I'm just not that concerned about hurricanes, tropical storms, or Aisa. As I've been offering up to God from the Great Litany in the prayer book every day for the past five months, from lightning and tempests, from earthquake, fire, and flood, from plague, pestilence, and famine, good Lord, deliver us. What more is there really to say? And I suppose if you think about it, that's a polite way of saying this. Whatever you got, devil, go ahead and throw it at me because you ain't going to scare me anymore this year. Of course, that's where I am with all of this, but that might not exactly be where you are just yet. Maybe all that our world is going through right now, all the devil is throwing at us, if you will, is causing you to wonder if there's really anything left for the church to say anymore. Maybe with over 150,000 deaths attributed to the current pestilence in our nation alone, you're starting to wonder if there's really a purpose for faith at all. Maybe with so much division and anger and failed attempts to bring about needed change and compassion, you're close to giving up on your struggles and questions about God altogether. And if in the midst of all that's going on out there in the world, you've also had your own personal struggles overtaking you, or you've watched a friend or a loved one suffer through it all on their own, then maybe, just maybe, you're not even sure if there's a God left anymore. A few weeks ago, I got a text from a very good friend who also happens to be a very active member in their church. 
My friend had a question for me that didn't in the least bit surprise me with all that we've seen happening right now. What did surprise me, though, was that they were wondering if I was the right person to seek out for help with this question in the first place. They wanted to know this. What would I suggest to do when someone tells you they're having a crisis of faith right now? Do you direct them to speak to their clergy, they ask me. And that last question was the shock that anyone, especially a very active and engaged follower of Jesus, would ever think of anything other than sending a fellow Christian having a crisis of faith to go speak to their parish priest or their church pastor. That's exactly what we're here to do, I said. If you don't send them to the clergy, who else would you send them to to receive spiritual help? But as I thought it through again, I realized that perhaps talking to a priest someone who obviously proclaims day in and day out that they believe in God no matter what's going on, might cause a talk about a crisis of faith to be a bit daunting for the person struggling with it. I mean, if someone proclaims constantly that they have enough faith to give up everything else in order to do what they do, would they really be the right person to go talk to about doubting faith and doubting belief in God? Certainly, Christian faith in America has lots of examples of clergy and churches not really showing signs of understanding or compassion for people who can't seem to align life with faith anymore. All those fiery preachers yelling at you and threatening you with hellfire on the street corners. Or that otherwise good parish priest who suddenly decided not to allow you to have the godparent you wanted for your child because that person didn't attend the same kind of church. If the clergy's faith in that, is that judgmental and that assertive, why would anyone set up an appointment to sit down with them and try to discuss their own personal questions with God and with religion? And I believe when I tell you that, so many of us clergy understand it. I want you to know that I'm telling you that because we ourselves have been in that same position before in our own faith journey. Yes, we are priests and we are pastors now, but it's only a tiny fraction of us who would ever yell at you on a street corner. And in the Episcopal Church, finding a street preacher like that is pretty much non-existent, thanks be to God. That's because all of us clergy have had our own crises of faith, probably more times than good people in the pews would ever imagine. And it's actually because we've had those crises of faith that we probably ever decided to become who we are today in the first place. For me personally, I had major crises of faith from the time I was in high school. Believe it or not, I once was accused by a good friend of mine who was a solid, church-going Pentecostal Christian of being in league with the devil. That really set off a crisis of faith for me. And there were moments in college that I wouldn't have identified myself as a Christian if anyone had asked me. And when I was in graduate school, I was so engaged in politics and radicalism that I spent a lot more time reading Karl Marx than I did reading the Apostle Paul or my dear friend today, Thomas Merton. And yet, I never stopped wrestling with God. Or maybe I should say, God never stopped wrestling with me. And so today, you might say that I am a professional in those crises of faith because 
I myself have been through many of them. And just as a doctor is about healing the sick, as a priest today, I completely believe that our number one charge is to be there for the cure and the health of souls. So when we are in a place we are in right now, and when the world leads us to struggles and doubts with God, then I feel absolutely compelled to practice what I preach and help a struggling Christian make it through these trying times. For faith is nothing if it doesn't cause you to wrestle with God and prevail in times of hardship, worry, and suffering. This morning, as a tropical storm heads our way in the middle of a pandemic wrapped up in a divisive election year, there's no better place to look for God's message for struggle than in this morning's first reading from the wonderful book of Genesis. For in that opening book of the Bible, we have a firsthand account of a faithful man who in a moment of extreme fear and anxiety and worry wrestled with God. And because he wrestled with God, he came out the other side blessed and with an even stronger trust and understanding of faith to carry him through. Jacob, who we've been following the story of for the past three weeks, is on his way back to the land of Canaan. He's taking with him his two wives, his children, and two camps worth of property and livestock that he's built up with his own bare hands while he's been away. And he's going back straight into a storm for a meeting with his brother Esau, who Jacob cheated and robbed of his birthright many years before, and who, at the time Jacob fled north, promised that when he could get a hold of Jacob, he would kill him for his misdeed. So Jacob is going home, pretty sure that all of his family could be murdered just as soon as they arrive. And on the night before he is to finally meet with his brother Esau, Jacob sends his family across the river to a safer place. And Jacob stays alone on the other side. And in his worry and his fear throughout the night, the Bible tells us that Jacob wrestled with what first looks like a man, but soon becomes something far beyond any mere human being. The prophet Hosea will later say that Jacob strove with an angel. But for Jacob himself in the book of Genesis, he is wrestling with nothing less than God, God's self. For when it's all over, Jacob will declare in Genesis 32, verse 30, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And that's how it will be in the end this morning, when Jacob limps with a damaged hip to meet his brother Esau. With God's help and blessing, Jacob's life will indeed be preserved, and his strength and his faith will grow for the rest of eternity. And so it will be for everyone in the Bible who follows Jacob. From Moses and Aaron, Ruth and Deborah, through all the greater and lesser prophets of the Hebrew Bible, to John the Baptist, Mary Magdalene, all the apostles, all the way up to that great apostle, St. Paul. All of these followers of God will become who they are because they were able to struggle and wrestle with God constantly, especially in the face of fear and anxiety. None of them simply throttle along on some kind of blind faith without questioning what in the world God was doing when he sent Moses into Egypt 
or when Samuel went to find the shepherd boy David to be Israel's next king, or when Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, suddenly winds up on a cross and is raised from the dead in three days. Jonah will be swallowed by the fish. John the Baptist will send a message from prison to the same Jesus he declared the Lamb of God to ask one more time if Jesus was really the Messiah. And Peter? Peter will deny Jesus three times on the day of his crucifixion. And yet every one of them will find their faith strengthened and enhanced by their struggling with faith and their wrestling with God on every step of their journey. And friends, if we could go back in time and talk to Jacob himself about that moment all those years ago across the ford of the Jabbok, I believe he would tell us that in that moment when he was so frightened, wanting nothing more than to just run away and give up, it was actually God who wrestled with Jacob and God who would not let Jacob go. God wrestled with Jacob until daybreak and somewhere through the struggle, Jacob finally started grasping and holding on to God. Only then did God dislocate Jacob's hip because Jacob was finally strong enough again to trust in God and to move forward. And in that moment of tested and restored faith, Jacob found himself able to walk through the storm without any fear. Brothers and sisters, these are hard and frightening times. And we're all struggling and questioning and fretting over faith and what it's doing right now and what is its purpose. But even when we feel we're ready to give it all up, to let go of God, God loves you so much that God will never let go of us. God is wrestling with us. And God wants us to keep up that struggle, keep up that good fight. Because if we can endure we will find that we might just be able to walk through all of life's storms and hurricanes and anything else the devil tries to throw at us. We can walk through it with renewed strength and with never-ending hope and with blessed assurance that God is with us no matter what we face. And if you need someone to help you, come talk to me. Come talk to Mother Lisa. Come talk to Deacon Mark. Brothers and sisters, we've been there more times than you think. And we'd certainly love to trade our stories with you, share a few wrestling moves, and walk through it beside you. Because together with God, we can make it through anything. Amen.